Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast where influential guests and I break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is F the fairy tale. Wait, what do we mean? Uh, Let's find out. Hello, friends. I'm Natasha Chandale. You're listening to Kinda Dating. We have an old friend back. Not that you're old. <laughs> I was going to say, young friend who Soup's you've young. known a long time. A very long time. Uh, guys, If you, you, I have to tell you this whole story afterwards, but let me give her a proper introduction. She's amazing. Um, she's the author of a new book that we're going to be talking about today called F the Fairy Tale. She's also host of one of the OG dating podcasts, Dates and Mates. And holy shit, you're the resident dating expert on the Drew Barrymore show. Guys, welcome Demona Hoffman. Thank you. Just so listeners know, Demona and I go back and and uh, she's literally one of the reasons I'm in this country. Because <laughs> uh, when I was acting a lot more, uh, I was in a film that was, and you were an executive at NBC and you uh, helped, you know, kindly brought me over and got me letters for visas and all this kind Said of this fun l- stuff. Yeah, this lady is legit. Let right? her in. We're doing stuff. <laughs> Um, so that's, yeah. And, and my gosh, now all these years later, and you're not at uh, that network anymore. No. Um, and you have fully owned your uh, amazing brand of dating. Um, you've been a dating coach. You've just done everything in this space. You've written amazing columns. You wrote for, just tell everybody. LA Times, the Washington Post. I did Date Lab for four years, which is like a matchmaking column. But actually, it's all connected, Natasha, because I started out actually writing dating profiles. Back when you knew me as an executive, I was like the profile whisperer. And a lot of people didn't realize that because I met my husband online when I was working as a casting director. And I realized that a lot of what I would teach actors about how to market themselves and get noticed by people like me, was that was exactly what I needed to do to sort of market myself in my own dating life. So I was online dating while I was working in casting. I ended up applying what I was telling actors to my online dating experience. A dating profile photo is like a headshot. We all know a first date is an audition. So it ended up working. And I met my husband online. And then people would come to me for help with their dating profiles. So all the time that I was working as an exec and figuring out how to make content, I was also helping people with love. And then about, what, 13 years ago, I blended the two. I started my my platform for dating. I started a blog. And then because I'd had so much experience behind the camera, mm-hmm. I transitioned in front of the camera and just kept doing what I love, helping people find love. You're a natural in front of the camera. Hey. Like literally. <laughs> I mean, and behind a mic. It I'm takes always... a lot of work to be natural, but I mean, I think it's all of the experience, right, that I had like watching talented people like you, Natasha, right? Um, and um, really it comes from a place of genuinely wanting to help and also having done this now for like 17 years, I've been writing dating profiles. So I have seen it all. I have been through all of the different shifts in the online dating experience, communication. There's so much that has changed since I began this journey. And I just want to help people walk through it in a way that doesn't, doesn't create more stress and drama, which there's a lot of right now. I feel like you answered the question already, though. But, uh, you know, we missed the first one, single or in a relationship. In a relationship and married for uh, 16 years. Wow. And you met on an app. So which app was that? It was not even an app. It was a site. No! <laughs> it was pre-app. Whoa! Way pre-iPhone. We met on a site called Nerve.com. What? Did, did I've ever never know? even heard of it. I know. I'm Nerve? old school. Uh, nerve, it was kind of the... Why did they call it Nerve? Um, like, oh, the Nerve. It oh. was It was really for like artsy folks and um, people are like, was it nerd.com? No, it's not nerd with a D. Nerve. Nerve. <laughs> it was tied in with like The Onion, LA Weekly Personals, oh. a lot of sort of, yeah, like clever intellectuals. And that's how it was pitched to me. A friend of mine had met someone, and I'd been doing online dating for a while at that point, Um, and I was pretty good at it. But 
I was always, I always had my ear to the ground. Even when I was single, I was like, okay, well, what's the next site? What's the next mm-hmm. thing that's out there? And uh, I went to lunch with a friend and her girlfriend was like, oh, I just met this this guy on nerve.com. It's like all these kind of artsy, creative types. And I was like being, I was being very strategic in my dating life at that point, which I talk a lot about. Yeah, like yeah. The fairy tale. I was being very strategic about how I was dating. And I was like, oh, that fits the, the concept of the person that I want to meet. So I ended up meeting my husband. He is a creative. He's a writer. I even was like, maybe I could meet a writer and he could stay home and write and take care of the kids while I can be out in the world Whoa. doing my thing. And here I sit. You manifested that. I manifested yeah. my man. <laughs> I did. But I. it's really like people are like, oh, you got lucky. It's, it's not at all about luck. It's 100% about strategy and timing. No, it is true. Yeah, there, it's it's all very important. And that's what you talk about uh, a little bit in F the Fairy Tale, right? So guys, Damona has this new book. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see this wonderful book right here. Um, listeners, go Google the book or check it out on YouTube. Here, this video. Um, but tell us about it. F the fairy tale. Where did that idea come? I love the title for sure. I thought you might. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I would have just said fuck, but no, I get it. Um, so really, what made you write it? Well, I, I really was feeling like daters who were coming to me and writing into the Dates and Mates podcast were feeling this frustration in dating that I had never seen before in all my 17 years of coaching. And I felt like we had sort of been sold a bill of goods about what romance was supposed to look like, how we were supposed to get into a relationship. I love dating apps. Obviously, I love online dating because that's how I met my husband and that's how the majority of my clients have met their partners. However, I do feel like as online dating sort of exploded during Mm -hmm. the pandemic, there were a lot of people who were using the tool but using it in the wrong way and the frustration was building and building and building. So I titled the book F the Fairy Tale because that was really what I kept hearing from people, that we had sort of lost faith that we could have what we wanted. And I realized that like the subtitle is rewrite the dating myths and live your own love story. And I realized that it's really all of these myths, these stories that we get attached to. And I I wanted to talk to you about some (laughs) stories of yours, but we get attached to these stories about how we think it's supposed to go or Mm -hmm. what our brand is or what, you know, Mm -hmm. what we think is the path for our dating life. And so many of them are are untrue or are actually hurting us. And what it would happen if you had the power, if, or if you could, you do have the power, if you could really harness the power to be able to create your own path, write your own love story, even if it doesn't look the way it does in fairy tales or in the movies, because I feel like I have done that. And I know you've done it too. Yeah. I mean, uh, I just told you right before we got on uh, the mic that I just got engaged uh, like a month and a half ago and big deal because you know me and I feel like you've been on the podcast a few times now and I, I, the very first time you came on, we're actually re, re-airing that episode some point next year, um, but it was on fear of commitment yeah. and uh, and I was very much um, you know, a reformed commitment foe, but had that had definitely had a lot of those tendencies um, in me. And I was still in a lot of bad relationships, up and yeah. down ones. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, listen, guys, if I can do it, everybody can fucking do it. Um, yeah. Because Demona knows how fucked up I was. <laughs> well, we're the product of our own experiences, right? And I look at all of the experiences that you've had as preparation. Mm-hmm. For the relationship that you're in now. And I I had listened to your episode where you had your big announcement about mm. the engagement before I came. Um, I was totally crying in the car. Oh. I didn't want to like, <laughs> mess up my makeup. But uh, there were so many things that you said that really reminded me of things I've heard from my clients just about the story. Like you had told yourself the story of I'm a commitment phobe. Mm-hmm. And in a way that was a protection for, that was like a mechanism to protect you from opening your heart and possibly having it broken. And 
it sounds like Luis sort of baby stepped his way <laughs> in, right? Yeah, I mean, a bit of both. Like, I, I definitely had the story, and then you do this podcast, and in a sense, it kind of doubles down on the story, right? Because yeah. that's what made me fun, is not that... I, when I started the podcast, I think I was coming out of the commitment phobe phase, but you, you still have those tendencies. And I was still, you know, I still had all these stories in my head that I was saying. And just to be honest with you, it was more fun. It was more fun being the person that was like, here's my crazy dating story of the week, you know. But I actually started getting offended a little bit when I realized, oh, I think my friends kind of... Uh, take me as like, all right, here, here's going to be the crazy girl who's going to tell us the the nutty story she had. And, and I didn't like that feeling that I was everybody's like storyteller. Hey friends, it's your girl, Natasha Chandale, and I've got some really cool news to share. I'm finally offering one-on-one -on -one virtual dating coaching. That's right. You've been sliding in my DMs for years, but let's finally chat face-to-face -face or Zoom to Zoom. If you're in a dating rut, let's get you out. I'm the friend you never had and the honest dating coach you need. Whether you're in a relationship or looking for one, I'm here to talk through your problem, provide personalized guidance, and find a solution. For all you loyal listeners, you know that I had a string of unhealthy relationships. After escaping an abusive one, I decided to take accountability for my love life, healed myself, and put myself on a path to dating success. I am now in a happy, healthy relationship and want to help empower you in your dating journey too. I want to get you to an empowered state where you're making dating decisions from a positive, secure place. So when the stars align and you meet that right person, you're ready to welcome them. My approach is honest, practical, because I've actually dated in the modern landscape, optimistic, and I tend to go deep. And as a woman of color and an immigrant, I understand the nuances of many cultures. And with my background as a comedian, we'll probably have some laughs along the way. If you're ready to take control of your dating life, let's chat. Go to our new website, www.kindadating.com services for 50% off your first introductory session. That's right, 50% off your first introductory dating coaching session. Go to www.kindadating.com services and book your dating coaching session with me today. Talk soon. So I was just like, I want to be boring <laughs> in a good way, right? Like I don't want some dramatic thing happening to me every week and re-traumatizing me, but it's funny for everybody else. So I was kind of feeding into it because I had something to tell everybody. And then when I just I started stopping all that, that was a long process of stopping all that. And I actually decided to stop it before I met Luis. Mm -hmm. And once I was with him, there was like no question. I didn't have... I still don't have any kind of fear of commitment when it comes to him. It's just more been more about like as a person who told a story that I was never going to get married to now be like, oh shit, here's this thing. Um, but again, it has nothing to do. I don't fear any part of being with him. Yeah. I just, it's the ritual. But now I'm working through that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot. Every week my therapy is like, okay, so I tried to do this and then I got really triggered because I hate weddings. Yeah. But now I have to like learn to enjoy this process. So it's like, you know, you're growing every time. Yeah, it's all baby steps. It's all baby steps. But also you don't have to enjoy every step of the process. Yeah. Thank it's, you. But it's all right. It's I mean, you don't need my permission, but listen, I was <laughs> yeah. feeling bad because I feel like people love this process. And then I was like, oh, is it bad that I I I hate the the people exploit you? You know, mm. for for a wedding, they'll just, they know that you want something, so they'll upcharge you. So I've had to be like, Luis, you're the one who wants something. You can't talk to them. I was like, I'm the producer. I will talk to them in a very unemotional way because I don't give a fuck. I, I was say like, that I, I just want the budget to be. Yeah. <laughs> I just need this to stay within budget. Yeah, I I say that I produced my wedding too because we came in yes. under budget. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. yes. But I also like I say in F the fairy tale, I was a love cynic. I did not I never pictured my wedding mm -hmm. and even when we got engaged I was like let's just because my parents are divorced I came from you know yeah two really loving parents that uh cannot be in the same room together now they're okay but it's been a minute and I was terrified of what that what a wedding like a big wedding would look like mm -hmm. and 
I was worried I'd be embarrassed. And also, like, I plan so much in my life that I thought, and I have to plan another thing. Yes. So I was just going to go in a lope. I was like, let's just do a small thing in Italy. We'll just go away. It'll be just us. And my husband really wanted the big traditional wedding. Your man and my man are the same. I have to say, I still have... I still look back on that day as the best day of my life. Yeah. yeah. And But I I made it what I wanted it to be. Yeah. So in addition to making your love story what you want it to be, you know, you can make the day what you want it to be. But it's all, it's all part of your learning and growth together too. Because like that's kind of your first thing you learn to compromise on. I, I mean, I know like there's moving in together and there's lots of compromises there. But it's... It, I my experience was that really pushed pushed us to the limits, and yeah. then you come out on the other side, and you're like, okay, we got through it, and yes. now just the rest of our lives ahead of us. No, it's very true. It it is a it is a um, it's a process for sure, and we've had to talk a lot. And I will say again, it's really me in the sense that I know that this is a very triggering thing for me. Um, every aspect of it triggers me uh, in a way that I haven't been triggered in a long time. So I've had to be like, you know, really sit and go like, why am I feeling this way? You know, what part of this feels like I'm being pushed out of or or Mm -hmm. doing something I don't want to do? What is it? So I've had to, you know, really work through it because I'm the one who who snaps and and is like, why are we doing this? (laughs) And, and he's like, you don't want to get married to me? I'm like, no, I didn't say you. I was like, I love you. I'll marry you any day. I was like, why do we have to do this stupid ceremony? You know? And then I've had to like pare it back and go, oh, this isn't about, uh, I mean, be careful of the words you say, right? Because uh, in this process, me saying F the wedding is to him saying, I don't want to be with him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying rituals. I hate rituals. Um, but because you don't know this, podcast listeners have just learned, um, I was in a cult before. Um, and so I have very like, you know, things about um, rigid ways of being and like mm-hmm. this has to be this way and this has to be this way. And wedding people always tell you, well, this is how it's done. And I'm like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> don't tell me something is done that way. Um, and, you know, because it's partially an Indian wedding, they're trying to make us do all kinds of crazy things and up the budget. I gave a budget and they gave me double the budget back, a wedding planner. And I was literally like, you can go suck my non-existent dick. (laughs) Go fuck yourself. I got so angry. (laughs) But like the great thing is that you don't have to do it that way. And especially like in a cross-cultural wedding. I'm from a a biracial, cross-cultural, dual religion background myself. I was like, isn't this great? Isn't this great that we get to make this up? We don't have to do a yeah. ritual. And that's like throughout the entire relationship. And this is what I'm really passionate about, inspiring people of all backgrounds, of all ages. Like people will come to me with whatever that limiting belief is. Maybe it's like I, I said, I'm, I'm a love cynic. You said you're a commitment phobe. People will tell me, I'm too old. I'm too tall. I'm, I've been divorced too many times. I, like whatever the story is that you're telling yourself, I think it's amazing that you're willing to do that, that self-inquiry where you're like, okay, why am I feeling triggered right now? And this is what I'm trying to guide people. This is what I'm trying to guide people into to take those moments of when they feel triggered, when they feel challenged, when they feel... Uh, burnout, upset, frustrated with the with the dating experience, to go a level deeper and say, well, what is what is that telling me about me? And what do I actually want? What do I actually need? And then how do I go about getting that? Yeah, because part of what you talk about are these four big myths, right, in F the Fairy Tale that really contributes to just this struggle that we have in the dating process. And I I really wanted to go through some of them, but let's start with the first one, which is the soulmate myth, Mm -hmm. right? That uh, 70% of people, you said, believe in soulmates. Um, That's crazy (laughs) to me. As somebody who doesn't even believe in the one. Um, So I still am like, soulmates? What the fuck? I'm curious what you think of the twin flame thing too that pisses me off so much. 
that yeah, he... Well, I mean, I think <laughs> the twin flames have gone down in flames since mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you've been watching that. No, that but you know what? Podcast, I yeah. just saw a kid, uh, actually, uh, Fabrizio, uh, he's he's been on this podcast. He's a, he's a guest. He's a great Gen Z actor. He was one of our actors on Mr. Iglesias. Love you, Fabrizio, but I'm just got to call you out on this. Uh-oh. But, um... Uh, no, he was he he has a girlfriend and he posted and he goes my twin flame and I was like oh no oh no it got to them too um, so yeah tell us about this like the, the myth soulmate. of the soulmate yeah the soulmate myth I see keeping a lot of people from really being able to dive into the experience of partnership and we think because we've you know, seen so many movies, we've read so many stories about the soulmate. It's it's so deeply ingrained. And in the book, I talk about even the origin of it. Like it goes all the way back to Greek philosophy, you know, mm. and it gets repeated and repeated. So we think, oh, we have to have our soulmate and we're looking for the one. There's one person out there. And as we're doing that, a lot of ones are possibly slipping through because we're always questioning is this my twin flame? Is this my soulmate? And I, you know, I say, I write from this perspective of having coached so many thousands of people through this experience over the last 17 years, but also from my own experience. Like I had an on again, off again relationship that I just like told myself like, well, this is it on paper. Like this is it. And you, and I, and I know you've had other relationships where you start comparing well, is it like this? Do I have all of these things? And you almost can't move forward into the next relationship when you get attached to like, did I miss my soulmate? Is this person it? I think that's such a key thing, right? Is that not only do we have this myth that this, this one exists, that soulmate, twin flame, whatever you want to call it, insert annoying term, right? Exists. It's also that then we get hung up on that. And sometimes we're stuck on the wrong people because we're confusing some, you know, amazing lust or some crazy chemistry with this is my twin flame. Um, I've never felt like this before. I'm like, yeah, but life is so fucking long. You don't know what else you'll feel until you feel it. So getting hung up on that can sometimes... Because I see that happen a lot too, right? It's like we get stuck on... I've been stuck on people thinking in my head, the moment I saw them, oh my God, there was this like, I, you know, you just know you have this like, you look at each other and you're like, fuck, like that's it. And, and then every time it's just this crazy connection. So you think that's the one. Um, where when you're in a real relationship, it, it feels like the deepest level version of that feeling without the like, super ups and downs and, you know, valleys and peaks. Yeah. And in the book, it was important to me for me to not just identify the problems, but to also give people solutions. So I identified the soulmate myth as a big issue, but I, I offer these pillars, these four pillars of long-term compatibility, which I've been Mm. talking about for years on dates and mates, but it's, it, it sort of crystallized for me as I was writing the book, how well these pillars offer an antidote to the myths. So the antidote to the soulmate myth is actually trust. And I say that trust is the the pillar that takes the longest time to build and, of course, takes the most time to repair, is the hardest to repair once it's broken. And so, you know, that's really what you were just talking about is that it's so much better because you've taken the time to build that pillar of trust. And then you don't have to second guess, like, wait, is this my soulmate? Because there is no question. The question literally disappears because you you have the sort of, of course, when it's ultimate trust in the the connection that you have. Yeah, the the soulmate one is... is, very, very uh, limiting for a lot of people. There's another one that that you talk about that I also am just like, ah, uh, we've talked about this also on the podcast before, but the chemistry myth, mm-hmm. right? That myth that um, you got to have this instant, amazing, mind-blowing connection. Otherwise, it's nothing. Yeah, yeah. 
obviously a myth. <laughs> now, but that's what everybody's seeking, right? In sure. every moment, they're just like, yeah, I don't know, I felt nothing. Or I, or I just, I didn't feel that thing. And I was like, yeah, but I, when I met Louise, I told people a lot, like the first date, I didn't feel the thing. I just know I felt good. Right. Yeah. I didn't because you also have to be aware of your own limitations. And somebody like me, I know it takes me a minute to like get into my feelings. So in the beginning, I'm, I was much more like, did I have fun? You know, how was the conversation? Did I think he was attractive? Again, not like mind blowing. But to me, I feel like attraction is important. Um, so I was like, am I some form of attracted to him? And I was like, yeah, OK, great. I'll give him a second date. And so in the second date is when I felt like, oh, shit, I think I want to fuck him. <laughs> and, and then, and like, that doesn't happen often, but, but it wasn't like, rawr, like, and we didn't. Mm -hmm. But I just, I felt it, and I was like, oh, okay, good. And then I had a lot of fun. And then I came back going like, I think that was the best date I had. Yeah. And, and so just, that, you know, better. but it's not like um, some, yeah, like, rawr, crazy chemistry. We actually always joke all the time. We're like, Oh, we got to work on our chemistry some more. Um, and that's like our little joke about like having more sex. <laughs> yeah. But also everyone does. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when you're in it for the long haul, yeah. you have to always bring that energy. There's a few things that you said I want to highlight. So first of all, this, this addiction to chemistry that we have, first of all, it's totally a fairy tale myth. Like, Cinderella saw the prince and he saw her and then he, she, she ran away because it was almost midnight and he was so in love with her. He chased her and grabbed the shoe and then he went house to house. Like we have been sold a bill of goods. That's what we were told. It's supposed to be that intense that he's going to go house to house looking for you. He'd right? be a fucking stalker if he did that today. <laughs> right? I know. He'd be like, we have a restraining order against yeah. the prince. Okay. <laughs> but that's really... It, whether we realize it or not, those are the stories, those are the, the beliefs that are so deeply ingrained. The reality is that feeling of chemistry that you're reacting to is likely a feeling of familiarity. Mm. And I just, I like to ask my clients if the past relationships you've been in where you felt that feeling before didn't work out, I want you to really examine whether that's the feeling you should be chasing. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot in the book of how to prepare for a feeling that's going to be healthier. And you just described sort of what it feels like. I tell people to, instead of thinking about chemistry on the first date, think about curiosity. It sounds like that first date, you were curious at the end of the first date. And I, I give my clients a three-date rule. I say, if you have enough curiosity at the end of the first date, go on the second date. If you have enough curiosity at the end of the second date, go on the third date. If by the end of the third date, you're not like, mm, I think I'm going to fuck him. <laughs> yes. Hmm, what would it be like to kiss this person? What would it be yeah. like to be, to be, you know, uh, affectionate and to be intimate with them? Then you're like, okay, I gave it, I gave it enough time yes. to see. But a lot of times in, when we're going based on chemistry and we're just rushing into the next and the next and the next, we're just going based on momentum. And a, a lot of times those are the relationships that burn fast and then fizzle out. And also that chemistry myth uh, can also be complicated because people search for it throughout their relationship, right? They think it has to be the same level of intensity from date one a year in or six months in, right? And when it's not or it evolves, because naturally it's going to evolve, um, people go, oh, uh, the chemistry's gone. Like I don't, and you're just like, wait, no, it, it, you have to analyze, obviously, yeah. did it fizzle out? Like, is there no attraction? That's a problem. But, or otherwise, has it evolved? Does it change? And you still want to like, I don't know. I can only give the example for us as like, I always still want to fuck him, but it's not like uh, it's now in like a different way, if that makes sense, right? Like in the beginning, you're just like, like every time I'm at a party, I just want to fuck him. But now I don't want to fuck him at every party, but I still want to fuck him when we get home. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's, but, it, but when I'm out, I'm still very like, we're very touchy feely and all of that. But like, 
So it just, it's a different type of intensity and, and it is equally to me powerful. It's just different. But I think people get hung up on it feeling the way it felt right in the beginning. And I also feel like people get sort of complacent and get a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's a big thing. We get a little fatigued mm-hmm. in relationships and we don't show up the same way that we used to. Yeah. Like I bring a lot of the magic and the spark and I've been with my husband now 20 years and I am just as attracted to him as I was before. I still get the butterflies. I, But we, a lot of time I create the butterflies because yes. I'll create anticipation. I'll say, okay, let's go away on this date and we're going to... Now I have two kids, so I, like you really have to plan the yeah, magic. You have you know? to, like, yeah, yeah. We're going to plan some magic, you know, on this date, and then we can let that anticipation that you used to have when you were in that will they or won't they that like excitement of early phase. You can sort of create some of that that feeling again. Like it's okay to to plan that outing too, because again, when you're when you're just met somebody. You're giving them all the time of the in the world, right? Like, but naturally, you don't have all the time in the world to give this person continually for the rest of their your life because you got work to do, you got life commitments, you got stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But of course, in the beginning, you they outweigh all your other commitments, especially when you're attracted to somebody. But later down the line, as you get kids, you get married, you have jobs that get, some people have to work a lot more, whatever it is, People forget that, like, it's okay that you can plan your time together. Yeah. Right? Or they think it's not... Um, it's not as sexy. Spontaneous and, yes, and that, sexy. Yeah. And that's what I mean with that whole chemistry thing, right? We get hung up on how it was, how it uh, manifested in the relationship in the beginning yeah. versus how that evolves. And, and I love that you're reminding people that you also play a part in that of, like, how are you keeping it sexy and spicy and doing the stuff that... Mm-hmm that can make you have that same feeling without it necessarily being spontaneous. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes you have to also also be be open to the spontaneity. Yeah. Because that's the other thing. Like some of it is planned and and creating those moments. And then some of it is being available for those moments of spontaneity. Because also when you have those real world pressures, then we can sometimes lose the spontaneity too. But whether we're talking dating or relationships, it's all about remembering you're co-creating this experience with the person you are meeting or the person that you are choosing to commit to. And that doesn't stop. (laughs) Whatever phase of the process you're in, you have to keep showing up. And before everybody's like, oh, but Demona, that sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) It's, it should be, I don't want to say work, but it should require some of your focus because anything that is of value in your life does require your attention and focus, right? Yeah. And it's so weird to me that relationships, I believe, are the most important thing in our life because your relationship, who you choose to partner with, will affect everything else. And yet, why is that the thing that we leave to chance? Like, oh, it'll happen when I least expect it. Like, no, it won't. Of course. Or or the one thing that we're just like, I got to put in the least amount of effort, which is mind boggling because to get any two people to get along for any remote period of time takes a lot of effort. Yeah. So if you're looking for forever and you think there's going to be no effort in that, boo-boo, I don't. I don't know what to tell you. I'll see like you in five years. Yeah, I'm just like, I, I don't know what to tell anybody. It, take, it takes effort to like talk to our parents. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. why would it not take effort to sustain an, a relate like a romantic relationship? Kind of daters. Are you a catch but not getting any matches on your dating app profile? Then Profile Booster is perfect for you. It's a brand new service offered by Kinda Dating to optimize your dating app profile so you can reflect the best version of yourself online and get the matches you deserve. With sometimes five pictures and three prompts, it's hard to showcase your full self. You'll be working with me, Natasha Chandale, a dating expert and professional screenwriter, and Luis Miranda, a veteran brand strategist with a track record of success. Oh, And we're a real-life couple. 
After a string of our own failed relationships and shitty dates, Luis and I individually decided to get more intentional about our love lives. We crafted dating app profiles that stood out, were memorable, and were authentically us. We matched on a dating app just three weeks before the pandemic lockdown and recently celebrated our three-year anniversary this year. Since then, we've successfully helped friends do the same and now want to help you. We'll customize a plan just for you so you can showcase your authentic voice and image to attract the right match for you. Ready to boost your love life? Profile Booster is available now at an incredibly affordable price. Visit www.kindadating.com services and let's transform your dating profile and get you more matches today. Yeah, I just want to acknowledge, though, a lot of what I hear from Dates and Mates listeners is this fatigue, this burnout and this dating fatigue where they feel like they've been doing so much and yet they're not able to see the progress. And I think it's interesting we're talking about the chemistry myth because the 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 flip side of the chemistry myth is really the communication pillar mm. having clear communication. And so I I see these two things as I see it as completely related mm-hmm. and that when when we talk about modern dating there's a lot of communication. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are talking. There's a lot of talking going on and not a lot being said all the time. Oh, yeah. And some of that frustration comes from this feeling of like, I'm doing so much. But if you're not dating with a focus or a plan and you are on apps and you're on multiple apps and you're DMing with multiple people and it's this constant stream of text and DMs and voice memos and like all of this, you are going to burn out. You are going to get overloaded. And that is the biggest thing that has shifted since I started dating coaching, the way we communicate. All, our modes for communication, our style of communication has literally, it is unrecognizable from what it was even 10 years ago. And we've, we rarely stop to think about how we're communicating and the way that that affects our energetic levels, you know? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, it's a. a I, I really appreciate you saying that people are doing a lot of talking, but they're not a lot is being said. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do think that that's um, a key thing. And it is a real struggle. Like, I've had a lot of friends recently come to me and be like, "I'm like, I'm done. You know, I'm done with this. I can't." And I'm hearing the story right now. The bunch that I've heard is like, it's because of the way that people feel they look that, you know, it's because of this way that I look that nobody's interested in me. Um, And it is a very difficult, uh, I I get it. Like, I just want people to know that we empathize with the fact that it's fucking hard uh, and Mm -hmm. and it can feel like that. And that's why uh, I do really, I mean, I'm curious what you think, but that thing of like quality versus quantity, you know, I, I think a lot of us are doing things as like a shtick nowadays, which is we want to tell our friends, oh, I went on three dates this week. And, uh, you know, I've, I can't tell you how many books and articles I've read, which is I went on uh, 20 dates in two weeks and this is my, this is what I learned. And I'm just like, dude, firstly, why? Who has that much time? I, I can barely meet a friend once a week because I don't have time. So, yeah. and when I was single, I still never went on more, more, I mean, max was two, two times in a week. Um, because it does become like quality over quantity. Yeah. And if you're, especially if you're feeling that burnout. Yes. Like people are playing a role in their own life. Like it's not shit happening to you all the time. (laughs) Right. I'm glad that you, uh, brought that up. Yeah, that is true. That is true. And I also see that so I said communication shifted. Mm -hmm. The other thing that has shifted dramatically is the speed of dating because Mm -hmm. we have so much more opportunity, which I talk at length in F the Fairy Tale about how much better, especially for women, that that is, that all of the choice we have. But the choice does create a little bit of mental fatigue, emotional fatigue. Of course. And it takes time. And so when I started coaching, 
my clients were thrilled. If they had, they would come to me and they'd be, their average was like, maybe they'd have a date a quarter. And then I'm like, okay, let's try and get it up to like three dates a month. Thrilled. They're thrilled if they have three dates a month. And then it's just like slowly increased, increased, increased to the point where now people, if they're not having two dates a week, they're disappointed. Yeah. They're like, if this is not working. So we really have to recalibrate our expectations mm. because it is not quantity, it is not quantity at all. But we're told numbers game, right? It's not a numbers game, just straight up. Like it's not one of the four myths, but it is a myth. It's not a numbers game, but you, like you have to have enough at bats to figure out what you want and mm-hmm. put yourself in the orbit of that person. But it needs to be done mindfully if you don't want to burn out. It needs, you need to be crystal clear about what your, well, we can kind of talk about some of the other myths. Yeah. Like the mindset is the first part. And the way that I see a lot of people dating is, I call it the list myth. We're just checking boxes and we're like, okay, must be this tall, must make this much money, mm-hmm. must live in this five mile radius of my house. And, and I, you know, I did it too. I did the, the radius list. one gets me every time in LA. I'm like, really guys? Like people just won't date somebody in like a slightly different. And I, I should tell you my husband. So I live in, uh, I've always lived in West Hollywood, which is kind of like the middle of the city. Yeah. My husband, when we met, lived in Santa Monica. And we would say it was a long distance relationship. So like for everyone that doesn't know, it's like, it would take an hour it sometimes. Takes an hour, yeah. Yeah. Often it would take an hour. And I always think, what if love was waiting for me just there on the other side of the 405 and I couldn't cross it? Yeah. And it was right there. And I've seen this with so many clients and I've helped clients meet someone that's like not even in their city or their country because we have the tools and the opportunity and the availability that we have today. But there's different processes around it. So we're all dating by list and we're dating by the same list, largely. <laughs> it's so true. When you right. said that, I was like, oh yeah, it's right. Everybody has the same five things that they're looking for. Yeah. And that's another reason it's so frustrating because there's all of this opportunity, but we're all, if, if we're all looking for the same five things, then that it's going to, you're going to be in a scarcity mindset. And that's just not, that's not a powerful position to be, to be dating from. Yeah. It's a, it's a, you know, for, I was also a person who had a list um, at one point and I realized um, this list is dumb. So I, uh, I actually did a different kind of list, which is something I do with clients now when they're just like, I don't know what kind of person I want. I go, well, have you thought about the way you want to feel with somebody? Yeah. Because uh, that shifted a lot for me. It weeded a lot of people out when I was like, well, I mean, they are successful. They're funny. They're attractive. They're tall. They're, you know, all those things on my list. But I'm like, but I don't feel good. So I was like, so what, what's missing? And then I realized like, oh, a lot of these people, especially the toxic ones, I wasn't feeling safe with. So then I was like, oh, I want to, I want to feel safe with somebody. But then you also realize, well, safety is a part of, as a qualitative list um, or trait comes in time, right? You, you don't always feel safe right away with somebody. So it's like, so what do I want to feel right away with somebody? And I, for me, it was like, I need to feel a sense of fun and friendship. I don't want a best friend, but I want to feel some form of a friendship. Like, could I kick it with them at a diner at 4 a.m.? Because that's kind of the life I used to live. So, um, and that kind of weeded a lot of people out in a way I didn't think that it would. Oh, it's so, so smart. And I do talk about that in the book too. I say that you would not recognize necessarily how they look, but you're going to recognize when that feeling is repeated. So I have exercises in there that help people also access that because it's, if you ask open-ended, what are you looking for? People are like, same list, you know, or I've never really thought about it or I'll know it when I see it. And what I've seen over the last 17 years is that when you start from a place of clarity, then it doesn't feel like as much work and effort. It's easier for you to not waste your time on the wrong people 
Because I mean, how many times do you have clients that will get to that point and then they're like, wait a minute, I've invested months in this relationship and we didn't even, we didn't even figure out like the core, we, we're not even aligned on <laughs> the basic relationship goals. So that's really the pillar that goes along mm. with the list myth is goals. Okay. Mm. What do you even want? Like I got a question on dates and mates recently that somebody was asking, should I say on my first date that I'm looking for a relationship? Cause I find that I'll get to like the second relationship. I mean, I'll get second to the second date. date and I'll say, I'm looking for a relationship and then they'll run away. And it's like, well, first of all, good that they ran away yeah. because that saved you a lot mm-hmm. of time and frustration. And But what are we so afraid of in speaking our truth? Like, I'm not saying like drop all your baggage at the, at the gate on the first yeah. date, but I didn't try to rhyme, but that just, <laughs> you know, you don't want to give everyone all the information up front. I say information needs to be earned, mm-hmm. but something as basic as like, I'm looking for a serious relationship. I'm not looking to settle down. Can we start to just own what we want and also listen when they tell you? I mean, how many times have have we had experiences yep. where somebody was like, I'm not looking for a serious relationship. I just got out of a relationship. I'm a commitment for whatever. And people were like, you know what? I'm going to be the one. I'm going to change. Oh, of course. I'm yeah. going to change your mind. No, you're not. You're going to put in a lot of time and effort and frustrate yourself and feel like you're hitting your head against the wall. And that's not what a successful relationship should feel like. Right, Natasha? Yes. Uh, I'm <laughs> now the expert now. No, I'm not, I'm not at all. But, but you uh, felt the difference. Yeah, you yeah. felt the shift in that. And look, I mean, I think... Uh, you bring up such a great point about the goals. And I, and I also think you also probably mean the values, right? That that's what's, what you're really bonding on with somebody. Well, Cause I everybody's, separate those. Oh, okay. So really that the values is a different pillar. Yes. And that is sort of the next thing to yeah. work on. But the values, the goals you can figure out yeah. sort of right away. The values, you have to see how someone moves through the world. Because they yeah. can tell you, we were talking about, you know, True. talk is cheap before. They can tell you like, well, I value this. And we're always looking for shortcuts too. Mm-hmm. Like if if they just tell me that they voted for so-and-so, then I know everything they believe about the world. Or if they're the same religion, or if mm-hmm. we grew up in the same place, we work in the same industry, they understand me. And that couldn't it's, be yeah. further from the truth. That's true. I will say coming back to the goals part, um, and you're right, people do need to be able to feel like they can say w- what is really of core value to them. Like if somebody is like, hey, I want to be in a relationship, but I'm not looking for something casual. I think it's the gap to be bridged is how people communicate that information. Because I think, uh, you know, I'm always reminded as a performer, as an actor, I was taught the 60-30-10 rule of communication, which was, uh, you know, uh, 60% body language, 30% voice, 10% the actual words you say. So I can say the same words, I, um, I'm i looking for a relationship. And, uh, and if I say it with my arms crossed, body language, and, uh, and my tone of voice going, I'm only looking for a relationship. <laughs> Sounds very different to somebody than if I were, you know, a little bit more open, a little relaxed in my body language and just calm voice. And I said, um, yeah, you know, I just want to be upfront that uh, I'm not saying this has to be it, but I am mostly looking for a relationship. Um it changes the way somebody perceives the exact same information. And I think that's like a, a gap for sure that people don't totally know how to communicate. I get it. It's a skill to be learned. But when we're in those moments and people are so tired and they're like, I've done this for so fucking long. I'm just going to tell them on date one. I only want to be in a fucking relationship. Okay. <laughs> don't waste my time. I don't want to blah, blah, blah. And then that's where guys shut down a lot. Cause they, they're not looking at the words you're saying. They might also want a relationship because clearly they're on a date, but it's how it's being said that they're like, Oh, this person's Activated. <laughs> Activated. Yeah. I love that 60, 30, 10. 
Um, it was a lot of math for me, but yeah. uh, I liked it. <laughs> I'm Indian. I love math. It's a whole thing. <laughs> That's a stereotype. <laughs> it's a true stereotype now. I have a whole, I have a whole, all bits in my stand-up relate to math. <laughs> but uh, I agree with you that so much is also in the tone. And we also are taking that into our dating profiles too. Yes. Like, I, I use a lot of uh, data. I work with OkCupid uh, as their official dating expert. And I, so I have access to, you know, all the matching questions, all the, all the data from all those years of OkCupid being in business and matching people up. And so many people will put in their dating profiles, don't even message me if, <laughs> because we're trying to shortcut it. We're, we're frustrated. We're trying to shortcut it. But that is such a turnoff. And the, the stats show that putting something like that in your profile actually is a turnoff to everyone. It, it, it doesn't just push away the people that have that trait that you're trying to avoid. It pushes everyone away. So I, I think one of the ways that you could access the information you're looking for, if first, of course, try the 60, 30, 10, Natasha just said, but also take a stance of listening. And mm -hmm. I talk a lot in the book about listening and empathy and that role in dating. And people were like, what? Empathy and dating? <laughs> I don't understand. Read the book. You will. But listening, if, you, if it's like, how do you feel about, how do you feel about marriage? How do you feel about commitment? Whatever. And just letting the person talk and express. So it's not just like a yes, no, check the box again. It's a conversation. And then a lot more is usually revealed when you take that position of listening. And also, interestingly, on dates, we think that we have to tap dance and talk so much to get that person to be impressed with us and to be interested. And really, if you listen more, that person usually will feel, they'll feel heard. They'll feel the way that they want to feel in a relationship. And Usually then you'll get to more 50-50 because most people will think that they're, they're doing, they're listening on the date when really they're doing more of the talking. I have some stats on that. Friends, if you like this episode so far, please make sure you screenshot the episode, tag us and tell us what you thought of it on social media. We're at Kind of Dating Across the Board. Um, we are now on YouTube that's right. So go uh, check out this episode if you want to see it in person um, at uh, youtube.com slash uh, Natasha Chandel. That's me. Um, youtube.com slash kind of dating. Um, also, uh, tell your friends if you haven't already and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it. And if you haven't, what the fuck? But please leave a five-star rating or review wherever you get this podcast. Um, just check your app. There are lots of easy ways to do it. I think you've got to kind of, I don't know why they make it complicated now, but you got to like scroll halfway through on Apple. But you can do it. I believe in you. Um, Demona, we're, <laughs> uh, the last myth that we're talking about is uh, the rules myth, right? Which is um, treating dating as a game to be won. And how do you sort of perceive that? What do you mean by the rules myth? Well, it, it feeds more of our fairy tale goals, like The Bachelor or reading books like The Rules or The Game, where it's like, just give me the hack. Like, <laughs> you know, there's a game that we're playing. There's a shortcut that, that will get us to the finish line. And as we have both experienced, it's a long distance run. Long game. It's not a sprint. And I, I just really reject this idea, even that there is a set formula. Like my formula yes. is really clarify what you want and then create a specific dating plan that's going to work for you, that's mm -hmm. going to feel good for you and get you to the relationship that you want. And it might not look like it does on The Bachelor. Mm -hmm. It might not look like it does, you know, in whatever rom-com you've seen. You get, you get to live this life once. So you get to create the love story that you actually want to experience. And, you know, I think also the way social media has trended, has trended I, I think that has pushed us further into the rules myth too. 
And there's so much information out there that is trying to be cookie cutter that isn't really helpful, isn't, isn't really applicable to everyone. So I'm more about creating the rules for yourself. I say like tools over rules. Yeah. And I've always loved you for that because, um, I think we very much rejected the idea of formulas on this podcast and, and prescriptions. And, you know, like, I'm always like, we are not a prescriptive podcast. If you want that, there are lots of other ones that'll be like, this is the way to get your man. And I think they're lying to you. But at the same time, like if that works for you, God bless, like no one way. Right. But, um, but I appreciate you always being like, it comes down to you and then tailoring a plan for you because it's your life and no two people live life the exact same way and no two people have the same values or anything. Um, and yeah, there's often this like, I don't know, does does sort of like a power dynamic also kind of fall under this rules myth Ooh. for you? This This idea that, you know, people are often like one-upping each other or like, oh, well, they texted me. I can't text them for three hours, which I totally used to do. So I get it. But like, you know, it is like this gamifying process that we've made of dating and apps don't help in that. But uh, but it's also what we do with it, right? Mm. You're very wise, Natasha, because I wasn't thinking of it necessarily as a power dynamic, but definitely cosign what you just said, that sometimes we think I I have to if I play this card here, then I will get what I want. Yeah. And it's ultimately manipulating the situation. And don't get me wrong, it will work for some people. It will, it, and that's why I think we keep hearing advice like that. Because for a small percentage, it does work. But I'm trying, I'm trying to serve everybody. I'm trying to have everyone create their own path the way that you've created your own path, the way that I've created my own path. And my relationship does not look like the ones I grew up watching on TV, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And even with the rules, it's like, you know, we also have these, these self-enforced rules that relationships at every stage must look like this, right? Well, from the beginning, he needs to be messaging me all the time, or he needs to show interest in A, B, C, D, E way. And I'm often reminding people like, you know, Luis and I, when we met, I ghosted him like twice maybe, but not meaning to, I was really sick. So uh, he, he messaged me on the app and I didn't reply for like a week. And then I replied and then I was still sick. So I disappeared again off the app. And then he still, he left me his number. And then I got back after like four or five days and then, then I messaged him and I was like, hey, I'm really sorry. I was super sick. And I always say like, if he had taken that personally because I didn't follow some rule that I was supposed to message him right away or stay in contact right away, we would never be together. He just took me for my word that I said I was sick. And he's like, no love lost here because he, he didn't have anything invested. He didn't have himself invested. So he didn't take it personally. He was just like, yeah, I took it as like, maybe you were really sick. And I was like, yeah, I was great. Um, and, and then he gave it a shot. And even then I had to reschedule our first date because I was still sick. But, uh, and then at our first date, I had to leave early because I had an audition the next day. And like, but I communicated all of that. I was just like, hey, listen, I'm really sick still, blah, blah, blah. But it didn't follow the traditional things that should happen mm. is what I'm saying, right? These like, these self-enforced rules that we also have of how people should be behaving in relationships. And I'm not saying like there is something to that, right? You want somebody who communicates with you and whatever, but also give people some flexibility that shit can happen. Well, especially in that early phase too, like, you know, people will say to me, I really want somebody to pursue me or like, like you didn't even, you didn't ghost him because mm -hmm. you, okay. So you didn't respond for a week. Like that is not ghosting. I think we also need to be careful we're, we're throwing around terms like, oh, well, this person's a narcissist or this person is, you know, a manipulator. Or like, we want to label it. That's part of the rules myth too. We want to label it so that we can sort of, we can harness it, you know? And we have to be really careful also about how much 
meaning we take from those interactions, those kind of interactions on the app. Because I, I see from a lot of clients and listeners that they'll have an interaction like that or the person, you know, and the person, maybe they'll be in Luisa's shoes and they'll say, well, it took them a week. And so they must not be that interested in me. And why is that? And, and you know, this always happens to me. And they start to knit a story together. We, our brains are hardwired for story. So we start telling ourselves a story to make it make sense to us when really it's just, we are all crushed by the amount of communication as well. I mean, even if you weren't sick, just the fact that it's probably not the only app you were on, like you have work, you have other responsibilities, you have family, you have friends. It's not it's not always going to be your top priority all the time. And in that early phase, you're still, you're still sort of making the, figuring out if you want to make the investment in one another. So I do coach people a lot of times to give the person a little bit of grace in that first, first phase. Now, once you've met up, and this is why I also have people move offline quickly within the first week, because you have to, you have to see what's real. Obviously, if someone is sick, you can't. But, you know, you have to move offline and into the real world to see what the real relationship is. And it sounds like you also use the communication skills. You were demonstrating your, your investment in, in even all of those cancellations and stops and starts that you have. Yeah, and I think, you know, to wrap out this episode, it comes back to what you talked about with empathy, right? That um, empathy is also putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And, and part of that is everything we're talking about. Like when you are communicating your needs to somebody, how you're doing that can, you know, if you have empathy with it, you are also going to be cognizant of how the other person is receiving that information. Um, you become more empathetic if you finally get to a point where you learn you don't have to ghost everybody. And you can say, hey, I really, you know, uh, appreciated our time together, but it wasn't a fit. Um, because you know that walking away from somebody might give them trauma. Um, and and there is that that level of empathy that is very important that, um, I love that you bring into the book. How mm. how else do you think people can bring that in as we're kind of going through this process? And again, yeah. giving people grace. I think that's such a great one. Well, it's about taking responsibility, right, for our own experiences in dating. And I I really want to stop the epidemic of ghosting. It's It's worse than it's ever been. And... The only way I know how to stop that is by having my clients and listeners stop it themselves. People will tell me, I, oh, I hate being ghosted. Ghosting is worse, you know, and then I'll go looking through their, their messages and I'm like, um, but you ghosted this person and this person because you weren't seeing them through the lens of empathy. That was a person that you had discarded because they didn't match up to whatever idea you had and you're getting ghosted by someone else that you have the investment in, but don't even realize that you're doing it elsewhere. So the only way that I know how to clean up the dating neighborhood is just to take care of your own side of the street first. Yes. Right? And, and then also through that empathetic approach to dating, it will shift your experience on dates because you're not just thinking transactionally. Like, is this person... The one, which we know we're not doing anymore. We're not thinking that way. But you're not sitting across from them going, okay, I got, I got one hour in and out. Like, are you checking the boxes or not? You're really thinking about this is a human sitting across from mm -hmm. me. We're having, we're co-creating a human experience together. Whether this is my person or not, whether I'm going to see them again or not, I'm right here in this moment. So that presence is something that you can bring into that mindfulness. You can bring it into all aspects of your life, but especially each phase of this dating and relationship journey. Mm. Mm. I love that. I love that. Um, sitting across somebody as a human. I love it. Uh, Demona, you're so lovely. Um, I love you. How can everyone um, find you, uh, the book, um, all the fun things. You've the done six things. questions a couple times. 
We can do it again, though, if you want. If you think the answer has changed. I don't know if the answers have changed, but you want me to? Do or? you want to? You want to do it for fun? Uh, yeah, for old all times' right, sake. All right, okay, let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Okay, okay before, before we get into that then, Damona Hoffman, here are your six questions. <laughs> uh, what is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? Kindness. I think it has changed. <laughs> uh, what is one deal breaker? Mm, having a temper. That's a good one. It's very fair. Yeah. Uh, what turns you on? Intelligence. Mm. I think that's the same. I don't know how I answered last time, but I think I must have said Probably. That. <laughs> uh, uh, what are one of your strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships? I'm really good at bringing the fun and the excitement. Um, yeah, I always make it interesting. And what's your weakness? I, no, no, weak, no weaknesses, <laughs> no. Um, my weakness is learning to listen better. Uh-huh. Um, I think we can all learn to listen better. So uh-huh. I just, I have to acknowledge that I'm on this journey as well. My husband is a slow talker. God bless him. <laughs> um, I'm not the only one that says that. He's a slow dogger. So sometimes I, I have the tendency to rush to finish his sentence. You're like, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, what's the point? He's like, that's not even what I was trying to say. So I'm working on that. And the listening, <laughs> even if it takes a while, because it's always worth it, waiting for what he has to say. That, and that's a beautiful one. Um, Damana, what is love? <laughs> love is... Uh, the feeling of being seen mm. and heard. I love that too. Uh, besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you? <laughs> uh, dinner is ready. <laughs> ah, nice. We I gotta, hate to cook, but... <laughs> we got to double eat. check if these answers are the same <laughs> or not. I feel like, uh, I'm curious. Um, Damona, as always, we love having you here. You're welcome back anytime. Um, how can everyone find your book and, and all of your amazing work and yourself? Yeah, myself is, uh, at DamonaHoffman.com, at Demona Hoffman on all the socials. F the Fairy Tale is wherever you love to get your books or at FTheFairyTaleBook.com. And then Every week, like clockwork, I'm still doing Dates and Mates. Season 11 is uh, every Tuesday. So, yeah, listen to Dates and Mates. And then if you have questions, I answer questions every single week. And check you out on the Drew Barrymore show. Yes. Yeah. On the Drew Barrymore. You, you drop such great advice there, too. Um, love that, guys. Make sure you follow Demona. All of these links um, and the link to her book will be in the description and show notes of this episode. So please make sure you get it. Um, as you can tell, it will change your life. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Natasha. Um, and thank you guys so much. We're also on social media. We're at Kind of Dating Across the Board. I'm at Natasha Chandale on Instagram and Facebook, Natasha.Chandale on TikTok. Thanks, guys, for downloading this episode. If you like something you heard, please make sure you screenshot the episode and tag us on social media. Finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. Kind of Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandale. Aisha Holden is my co-host and our social media producer. And we only sound great thanks to our producer and audio engineer, Adam Pineless. The opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti, and our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yenick and K. Daniel Ellis.